No freedom, no limits. Taking the limits off God, amen? Psalm 6511 is our scripture for the year. Psalm 6511 says this, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. For that to happen, we literally have to take the limits off of God. There was a show that um, it was called Limitless. A guy would take a pill and uh, he could think without any limits. He was su- you turn into super smart or whatever just by taking a pill. Now, we're not advocating to take a pill. <laughs> just want to get everybody straight on that. Everybody say, thank you. Anyway, but, you know, when you and I get born again, when we give our lives to God, we step over out of where we're dependent upon our five senses. There is a new world that opens up to us when we get born again, and in that world, it's limitless. It's limitless. And so uh, we're going to talk about taking the limits off of God because if we're going to build a multi-million dollar building, if we're going to build or have a new church building, and if you're going to have a life of prosperity, if you're going to have a life of success, if you're going to have a great marriage, if you're going to be victorious in this life, you're going to have to learn to take the limits off of God. You will. So we're going to talk about some things that all of us are limiting God. We are. But we're going to get the limits off. Amen. So you got one thing we're going to be talking about. The first one is we don't need to forget. Don't forget what God has done in your life. We talked a little bit about that last week. But don't forget three things for sure. Don't forget the power of God, the promises of God, the presence of God. Don't forget the promises. All the promises, if you're born again, all the promises are yes and amen to you. The good news is you don't have to work for him, don't have to be Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, don't have to be just perfect. No, you get all the promises of God. If you're born again, they're for his children, they are yours. And you don't forget the power of God. When you get born again, God resides inside of you. You have his power. I used to pray, Lord, just send your power, just send it. And finally, I, I got a clue. Jesus says, I'm inside you. Is he not enough power for you? If you need more than Jesus, then you're messed up because he is all the power. And don't forget the presence of God. If you've got Jesus living on the inside of you, that's his presence. So don't forget the power, the promises, and the presence. Don't forget. And I know when you're doing, when you're doing the impossible, it seems like, or believing something so big, you know, sometimes it can get scary. But I'm going to tell you, fear will limit God. And so don't let fear limit you. Because listen, if, if it's this morning when I woke up to pray, I, I just was walking around when I was praying this morning in our living room, dining room, it makes a, a circle. And so when I was praying, I just, my brain, how many know your natural thinking? You know, when you start thinking something so big, you know, my, I just said out loud with my mouth, Mike, are you stupid? Are you stupid to think, where are you going to get millions of dollars to build a building? How are you going to buy another church building? Are you just stupid? And I said that out of my mouth. And so while we were worshiping this morning, I just felt like God saying, if it's not stupid, you're probably not thinking big enough. That's how he talks to me. 
It needs to be so big that people will think, he's a fry short of a Happy Meal, man. I'm telling you. (laughs) It may seem stupid to people. But listen, if you and I can, listen to me, if we can accomplish it with our own talent and our own gifting, you can rest assured it's not thinking big enough. So if you can do it, if you can do it. You know, I I was talking during, between services, we were talking about Samson. This is just off the cuff. We were talking about Samson, and most people think Samson was this, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tony Freeman type guy, you know, just, (laughs) you know, like Tony and me. Okay, okay, it's not a good illustration, like Tony. They think Samson was just this muscular guy, you know. Samson was not. He was probably more like me, regular Joe. Religion has made him out to be some muscular big big guy, and that's why he could do all these heroic things. He was just a normal five-foot-eight guy like, five-foot-nine, five-foot-nine guy like me. (laughs) Don't want to short myself. (laughs) And that's why people just knew that this was a God thing. He didn't knock the Philistines' heads off and break the gates out. He didn't do that in his own strength. It was when God came upon him that he did all of that. He couldn't do that in all of your strength. My point is, the point is this. We have to trust and believe God for the miraculous, the bigger outside of the box, because that's when God's going to show up. And he'll do impossible things. All things are possible to him that believes. Problem with the church is we're not believing. We're believing the small, and you get that every time. Or you believe nothing, and you get that every time. We said this last week, that God wants to advertise his goodness through you and me. Amen. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says that we are supposed to be his advertisements. Unfortunately, the church has been his advertisement, and it's been poor advertising. You know, God, uh, you better straighten up. You better serve God. He's going to send a lightning bolt and knock you off. Ooh, you better watch it. You're going to go to hell. That's been God's advertisement. But God wants to show his goodness. He wants to, you know, Jesus, they hated him because he called God his father. God wants to be known as Father. And not just a Father, the Father of all fathers. The goodness of God. So don't forget God. Don't forget that the Father loves you. You can ask any Christian and they will say, oh yeah, I know God loves you. No, 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 no. We don't have a clue. He doesn't just love you. The Bible says in 1 John, I'm I'm sorry, John, John 17, 23, that God, the Father, loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Let's read the scripture. It says, in the world, is that the beginning? Are we there? All right. You live fully in me. This is Jesus talking about God, his Father. He says, God, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them. So Jesus is living in you. He says, so they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced. The world's going to be convinced that you have sent me 
for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Did y'all hear that? That is God saying that he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. As much as he loves Jesus. That's a, now, you know, we think that when we're doing good and we're sitting in church, <laughs> looking nice, looking good, doing good, singing, worshiping. Oh, yeah, God loves us. And then we go out side of church. And you mess up, you cut somebody off in traffic, and you get mad, or you just, let's just say, you flat out sin. You sin, you do something wrong. Then we don't think God loves us. It's hard for us to wrap our hands around that God loves us. He still loves you. He still loves you the same. Now, that's where Christians have a problem with. He doesn't love me as much or I, you know, because we think God is in the five senses. Like when you and I mistreat one another, then you don't like me as much. <laughs> you should like me all the time. <laughs> well, Jesus said this. He says, you know, you need to love one another as I love you. How does God love you? Unconditionally. Amen. If you mess up. He loves you all the time. Amen. So we have to not forget. Don't forget that God loves you. In Psalm 78, 41, it says they limited God because they forgot that he loved them. When you and I forget that God loves us, you limit God. You limit him. They forgot his great love for them. So, number one, if, if we're going to take the limits off of God, we need to make sure we don't forget. Don't forget. Number two, we got to think right. Think right. Everything starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought. Our imagination allows us to see what could and should be, but is not. Your imagination is a God-given thing. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, in case you don't know what you should think on, God says, this is what you need to think on. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. I'm going to stop right there. Now, most people say, well, I do think on what is true. My husband's a jerk, and I think about that all the time. <laughs> My boss is a jerk, and I think, and that is the truth, Pastor. I'm telling you, I think upon the truth. That is not what that's talking about. That's the same root word as in when Jesus said I am the way and the life and the truth I am so what he is implying here is fix your thoughts on Jesus not what is true yeah you know well the government you know they just this and and Pueblo's going to hell in a handbasket I'm thinking on what is true no you're thinking wrong fix your thoughts on Jesus Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's what you got to do. And how many of you know, that is pretty tough sometimes. Like every day tough. Because you and I can just get on autopilot and think what is wrong. 
and you just think wrongly, think and think and think and think and think, and autopilot. You know, when I was in the Air Force, we were going across the Atlantic, and uh, I sat, there was a pilot, co-pilot, and I sat right behind them in the middle. And it is so boring to fly for hours and hours, and it's on autopilot, and so we're just talking, and it's just boring. It's just literally like, Okay, I won't go there, but it's boring. And so uh, finally, we were over the ocean, and I just, I told the pilot, and I said, this is just so boring flying with autopilot. It's just horrible. It's just, I said, it's painful. You know, and I'm uh, 19 years old, 19. And so the pilot goes, okay, co-pilot, hop out of the seat and switch places with the boom. That's what I was called, the boom. He says, let, let the boom in there. He says, I'm going to kick it off autopilot, and I'm going to let you fly. You can do anything you want. Just don't go uh, more than uh, 1,000 feet up or down because then center's going to call us and say, what in the world's going on? But anyway, uh, he says, just do whatever you want. Cut S's in the sky, do everything. So I go, are you serious? He says, yeah, I'm taking it off autopilot now. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> clicked it off. I mean, I'm doing this. I'm banking that thing on 90 degrees. And, and it's, big, it's the size of a 707. It's not a little jet plane. So, I mean, and finally, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And, and so the co-pilot tests me. He goes, you're done. <laughs> He's turning. I mean, I thought he was going to puke on me. I, he goes, no, you're done. He says, no, this, we're going back to the boring. <laughs> but you and I... You don't realize it, and I don't realize it, but you can go hours thinking negatively on autopilot. And you've got to kick that thing off. And how do you fight thoughts? You know, most people think, well, just think on something good, or just say, you know, there's a popular thing, just say no. No, it's not enough just to say no. You've got to think, and not only positive, but you've got to have something coming out of your mouth. You don't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words. And so you say the exact opposite. You say like, man, I just never have energy. If you're thinking, I just never have any energy. I just don't ever have energy. Well, you need to open up your mouth and say, I thank you, God, that I have strength. I have the strength of God upon my life. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So you say the opposite of what you've been thinking for hours. Why? So you can get that negative junk kicked out of there. That's an everyday excuse that people say, well, you know, you can't control. Yes, you can. You get to choose what you think on. Most people think on how they were mistreated. Somebody done miss somebody wrong song. Listen, after you get out of the baby crib, somebody's done something wrong to you. You understand? You don't know it, but your brother probably dropped you or your mother, you know. Everybody's done something wrong. We all have. Now, you can lavish in that and think about that, or you can think differently. After the Bible, to me, this is one of the most important books that you ought to read. It's called Switch on the Brain. It's not written by a minister. It's not written by religious people. She is a Christian, but she wrote this book, Dr. Caroline Leaf, from a neurosurgeon's point of view. She is a neurosurgeon, and her team of people have researched the brain, and they have figured out that your thinking turns DNA cells on and off. 
she calls it toxic thinking. When you're toxic, it affects you physically. They have proven, they have, that your toxic thinking causes sickness. They say it's less than 5% of sickness that's caused from your DNA passed down from your, your parents and forefathers and all the way down to George Washington. Let's go further. Noah. Let's go further. Adam. All kinds of bad DNA in there. But you know what's more important than DNA from your forefathers? It's what you're thinking on. What you think on turns little switches on and off in your body. Sounds a lot like what the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. You and I, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says we need to renew our mind. What are you renewing it to? Because you think negative. You're, we're raised, I quit watching the news years ago. I used to be a news junkie. I had to, we would be driving in Pueblo, running errands or doing something, and it's, when the news came on, this is before DVR, I know, but it, I, would, I would say, hey, we got to go, hon, let's go. <laughs> got to get home before the news comes on. Why? I got to hear all that negative stuff that's pouring out of that tube. You know. I know some of you may listen to talk radio. You may listen to the news or whatever. But I'm just telling you. That negative junk will, it's, it's going to consume you. Now, people don't go get in an argument with your spouse. Turn the TV off. He's saying we shouldn't be watching it. Do not use me a point of reference to start your argument. James Allen, he said this from a book, As a Man Thinketh. Let a man radically alter his thoughts, and he will be astonished at the rapid transformation it will affect in the material conditions of his life. What is he saying? You change the way you think, and you'll see things outside that will radically change just by your thought process. Radically. Radically. Well, you know, the Bible talks about that. You need to think upon good things. Children of Israel, they come out of Egypt, and they kept saying over and over, Moses, did you just bring us out of Egypt so we can die in the wilderness? We're just going to die in the wilderness. They said that over and over and over. Guess what happened to all of them but two? Millions of them, millions of them, they kept saying, they kept saying, they kept saying. What were they saying? We're just going to die in the wilderness. What, you're going to die in the wilderness. What was the will of God? The will of God was told that I'm taking you to the promised land. All of them died in the wilderness, but two. But two. People say, well, if it's the will of God, it'll happen. Really? It was the will of God from all to go in the promised land. Only two did. Why? Because they were negative, toxic, garbage people. So if we're going to take the limits, we're going to take the limits off God, aren't we? We got to not forget what God is doing. Not forget that he loves us. Not forget how good he's been to us. And we're going to think right. And third one is we got to believe right. Most Christians do not believe right. I heard um, 
I didn't hear, I read, and I think it was Joyce Meyer, but don't quote me, I'm not for sure. But she said this, or this minister said this, I would rather believe God, God for something huge and extremely big and get half of it then believe God for a little bitty bit and get it all. I thought that was good. I thought, wow, believe for something big. Believe God for something big. Wrong believing. People limit God because they believe wrong. The church is limiting God because we believe wrong. Because, you know, I was raised in church where we thought that if something bad happened, it's because you did something wrong. And God was just helping you out to get back on track. You know, and so, you know, as a father, if your child is not spending enough time with you, if they're on their video games too much, and you know, well, you should just break all 10 fingers and say, I'm doing this for your own good so you can spend more time with me. <laughs> Give me your $500 phone, get the hammer out, <laughs> smash that. Now, I just did that for your own good. You think that's funny, but that's what Christians believe. Anything bad happens, you know, your car gets in an accident or uh, you lose all of your 401K because, you know, if you're getting ready to retire and you lose all the money. Well, God knows I shouldn't have any money. <laughs> God, you know, we get sick, you know, God's trying to teach me something. And, and it just go, it's wrong believing that limits God. Everybody say, my father's good. All the time. To me. So wrong believing limits God. It's not God being evil to you that draws him. Romans chapter 2 verse 4, it says that it's his kindness. His kindness draws people to him. You know, because like, you know, if, if I thought God killed, you know, my relatives and he's one who makes me sick. And, you know, and then we go tell people in the world, hey, come to church with me. God kills your kids and wrecks your car and makes you puke all the time. Come join us. It wouldn't be so funny if it was so, I mean, come on, man. No wonder people are not going to church. I'm a pastor and I'd quit. I would if I believed, listen to me, I seriously would. If I thought my father was that kind of father, it's a shame that, you know, social services are better than our Father God because if you mistreat your kids, social services will take your kids away from you. But God can mistreat his kids, and that's just the goodness of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> God is better than social service. I said he's a better father than social service. He is the ultimate best of the best of the best fathers. But wrong believing will take that and limit him. It will limit God. So, don't forget God. 1 John 5, 19. Most people say, well, it's the will of God because God is sovereign. Is God sovereign? Yes, but not in the way that we've been taught. 1 John 5, 19. 1 John 5, 19. It says this, we know that we are children of God. And that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. So why does evil happen? Because there's a devil here. There is a devil. 
So when people say bad things happen, you know, and I, and I say this, you know, the devil should be in an unemployment line because God does all the good, but he also does all the killing. He does all the sickening. He does all the bad. And so the devil's in an unemployment line because he doesn't do nothing because God's in control of everything. He's doing everything. If God was in control of everything, do you really think he would have just said, when Adam is getting ready and Eve getting ready to bite that apple, no, yeah, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm in charge here. He gave them a choice. You and I have choice. It's not up to God. When people get raped, when people get murdered, that's not the will of God. Come on now. There is evil on this planet. And in Psalms, he says he's given the planet to the children of men. That's you and me. You say, well, man, this is terrible. Well, the good news is Jesus came to give authority and power back to you and me. The devil's still here, but now we have authority. We have power because of Christ, the greater one, living in us. So, 1 John 5, 19 says, We know that we're children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. So, there's a devil. There is a devil. So, don't forget God. Think right. Believe right. And then the last one, we got to watch the people we hang around. If they're just a bunch of negative people, it's going to suck you right down with them. Being around, man, when I was a, a teenager, before I went in the Air Force, man, I, I look back and I go, man, that was the bunch of negatives. It's a wonder I survived. They were so negative and stone-headed and drunk and just messed up. Let's just shoot ourselves in the foot type people. And so when I went to the Air Force, I really got a hold of it. And I, and I was a Christian. I was a believer. But I didn't have much victory in my life. I mean, my girlfriend broke up with me. I just want to put my head in the ground for like 100 days. Put sackcloth and ashes. And I didn't even know what that meant. But anyway. Uh, then when I got a hold of God and started learning how much God loved me and the goodness of God, when I came back, from the military back to Louisville, Kentucky, my friend started con contacting me. And I would just say, no, I'm not going to go there, not going to do this, not going to go there. So they started thinking that I was too good for them. And that wasn't it at all. I knew that if I started hanging around them, that I would be sucked right back down into that negative pit hellhole. If you are going to take the limits off of God... You cannot hang around negative, toxic people. And it's not because you're better than them, because you will just sucked in, get sucked in with that. And that's pretty good preaching. Now, you say, well, what about, you know, witnessing the people? Yeah, you can witness it. We're... We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Of the world would be all of your best friends are, are so negative that it's just pathetic. You need to be like David. There's a story in the Bible that he had some negative people around him, but David was the leader. If you're going to be like, say, a supervisor or a boss and all of it. I remember when I worked at FedEx. I was in charge of about 13 to 15 people, uh, and we had to be there at 4 o'clock in the morning. So it's just negative right off the bat. 
You know, people are like, oh, I hate morning. It's stays wet. And, and in Kentucky, at 4 o'clock in the morning, generally the weather stinks no matter what. Summer, it's 110 even at 4 o'clock. In the winter, it's 110 below zero. <laughs> so no matter what, it stinks. It's just, it's just bad. So everybody's in a bad mood as soon as you, you ka yeah. And so... It got so terrible. Everybody was just, and we were getting, it was unbelievable. The pay, the benefits, it was unreal. I, Melody was an RN. We had better, when I got, we got married, I had better benefits, medical benefits, and all kinds of my package was 100 times better than hers. It was a blessing to work at FedEx. So I was in charge of all these people, and I just, man, they were negative, negative. Every, complaining, complaining about how FedEx just, so one morning, I'm driving on my way to work, and I said, Lord, I just need wisdom to help these people because it's crazy how they're talking all the time, and I know it's a great job. I worked at McDonald's when I was 16 until I went in the Air Force at 18, and I remember I worked my tail off, and I didn't get any benefits. The pay stunk. I mean stunk. $127 a week for working about 60 hours a week. Yeah. So I remember that. I remember that. So I walked in there at 4 o'clock in the morning. I said, we're going to have a meeting. I got them all together, and I said... What kind of jobs did y'all have when y'all came to FedEx? Most of them were fast food. I said, oh, fast food, huh? I said, what kind of benefits did y'all get? Benefits? <laughs> we didn't get benefits. We barely got paid. I said, what kind of benefits y'all get here working in FedEx? Your health benefits? Retirement plan? We had all kinds of benefits. How about your pay? How much more money you get now than when you were working at fast food? All of them started saying, you know, I said, so this, so your pay is four or five times better. Benefits are not even comparable. And, and so you're just getting your socks blessed off. And yet all of you complain every day that you're at work when you come in at four o'clock in the morning. I said, maybe, and I said, I was a boss. I said, maybe you should just quit and go back to that other job that you just love and were so blessed in. I said, I, I, I think you should quit. Because obviously, the, by the way that you all talk, your other job is so much better than where you're working at now because you're just complaining every day. And I said, okay, let's go to work. <laughs> I'm telling you, those people straightened up. They straightened up. Because I kept telling them, I said, you all quit, need be, quit being naive, quit being naive. I said, and it didn't help. So finally, I just told them, I said, let's just have a reality check. Christians, we need to have a reality check. How good do you have it? Come on now. I cannot wait to take my boys to Africa. We're going to go to the bush where there's no electricity. No, none of this. Barely food. If you get fed once a day, you are blessed. I'm just saying, we are blessed. Anyway, we're going to have a great time. It's going to be spiritual. 1 Samuel chapter 22, David was hanging around a group like this, but he was a leader. What kind of person was David? 
David was the one who killed a lion. He was the one who killed a bear. He ain't scared of nothing. And then he became a giant killer. So he's the leader. He's anointed as king, but he's not king yet. Saul's still king. Not only is he not king, but Saul, the king, the present king, is trying to take his whole army to kill David. That's his whole major goal is to pursue David and kill him. Wow. So David goes and he's hiding in the cave of Adullam. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all of other relatives joined him there. That's probably not the best thing in the world either. But anyway, verse 2. Then others began coming. And here's his first following. Men who were in trouble, in debt, or who were just discontented. Until David was the captain of about 400. So he had 400 people who were in debt, in trouble, and discontented. Sounds like some pastors with churches. But anyway, anyway, he sits there. That was a joke. Come on now. Teasing. But anyway, he, that is an unreal first gathering. But what kind of person was David? He was a giant killer. Now, discontented, that was people who were complaining and grumbling all the time. So can you imagine having 400 people in a cave and talking about how negative, oh, I tell you what you mean, I mean, it's negative, and it's just pinging off the walls. So everybody's hearing this, but David was a voice that was different. So he began talking and ministering, and I'm going to tell you something. Life changed for those 400 people because of David. The Bible talks about the people who followed David. They were his mighty men. What happened? What happened? You read about the mighty men in 2 Samuel chapter 23. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Joshua Beam, the Hecamite, who was leader of the three, the three mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used a spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. This is one dude. He comes up and he just has one spear and he kills 800 men. What happened to be to this guy who was in debt, had no money, discontented, in trouble? He became a warrior of all warriors. What happened? What was on David rubbed off on these 400 people. David was a giant killer. These guys started being giant killers. Listen to the next one. Next in rank among the three was Eleazar, son of Dodiah. That's a New Living Translation. The King James, it says Dodo. <laughs> right there, he had to overcome probably a lot of things. Who are you? I'm the son of Dodo. Oh, okay, you get over there. <laughs> really don't want to talk to you right now. So he had to overcome probably a lot of things anyway. But listen to what the son of Dodo did. What did the do Dodo do? This is what the dodo do. He was a descendant of Ohio. Once Eleazar and David, listen to me, stood together against the whole Philistines when the entire Israelite army fled. So here's the army of Israel. Dodo and David are right there. And the whole army retreats because the Philistine army was coming and all the Israelite army goes, retreat. And so they took off. 
but not David and not Dodo. <laughs> what happened to David and Dodo? This is what happened to David and Dodo. Verse 10. He killed Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword, and the Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the plunder. So in other words, until Dodo killed the whole army, and then once they were all dead, Israelite comes and, and says, okay, we're here. And he goes, I'm glad you showed up. Dodo, they couldn't even take the sword off of his hand. They had to pry his fingers from the, his hand because he was just killing people left there. I mean, he killed the whole army. <laughs> he beat a man. I just, you know what that sword represents? That's the word of God. He said the Lord gave him a great victory. That wasn't Dodo doing that. That was God on Dodo doing that. And Dodo knew who was doing the doing. It was God. Did you get that? You got to know who did do do. And he did do that. This is what happened. These discontented, grumbling, complaining people, what was on David started rubbing off on them and they became mighty. My point, and the point is this, who you hang around, if you're not going to lead, whatever's on them just is going to rub off on you, and you'll just be like them, complaining, discontent, in debt. Now, here's the good news. When you got born again, you came and became associated with somebody, just like the discontented, in debt people got associated with David. When you got born again, I got born again. Oh, hallelujah. We got associated. We came out of the cave of Adullam, and we got associated with Jesus. Those men became one with David. When you got born again, we became one with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's more than a giant killer. He's more than a lion killer. He's more than a bear killer. We are associated with the one who walked on water. We're associated with one who causes the dead to come to life. We are associated with the one who speaks to the winds and they obeys him. We are associated with the one, and when he was crucified, he went and, and, and ripped the devil and, and overcame the devil. We're the, with the one associated with the one that demons obey him. That's who you and I are associated with. The problem with the church is we are not, we don't know who we are in Christ, and so that association can rub off on us. Those men had to spend time with David and find out what David was all about. We don't know what Jesus is all about. He's about the goodness. He's about the, just making sure that what is on him, he says, I came so what I have can get on you. And what you have, I'm going to take from you, which was sin. I'm going to take the sin from you, and I'm going to give you my righteousness, and you're going to be a child of the living God. We have to know. We have to know. And when we do know that, Jesus, our champion, then just like those mighty men, no matter what your name is, no matter where you're from, 
what is ever on the leader will start rubbing off on you. We have the best leader of all leaders. And it doesn't matter if you're in debt, discontented, or, or grumbling, complaining. You can change all of that because you have a new father. We're in a new family now. And that family is a blessed family. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. So, we've been limiting God, haven't we? The good news is we can change that. We can take the limits off of God. During the week, you ought to go to our website and read the blogs. During the week, you ought to click on media and their sermons. All of our sermons are on there and listen to that. I'm not against TV. We watch TV. But I know one thing. If that's all you're feeding on, you're feeding on the wrong thing. Feed on some good things. Of course, I, I like what we got on our website. But after that book, everybody should read this book, Don't Limit God by Andrew Walmack. You should read that. Take the limits off of God. This is probably, we've got these books. We're, we sell them for just what we paid for them. I think they're nine bucks. You can see Sarah. I got them not I could have sold it for 10, 11, 12, 15 bucks to make profit. I got this so you will read this so it will change your thinking. Your stinking thinking. All of us have stinking thinking. We need to change it. Now, we, we, a long time ago, we had these books, and I gave most of them away. But you can probably get this for on Amazon real cheap. I don't know what. I gave up. This is my wife's copy. I gave even my copy away. It was an accident, but I did. But anyway... You should read that. We need to change the way that we think. It's toxic. Not only to your body, to your life, but God doesn't want you to think that way. He wants you to think like a champion because that's what you are. I said, you're a champion. You are a champion. You need to think like it. But most of us are in the champion body and, and, and we're going around with a chihuahua type mentality. Nothing against chihuahuas, but you know what I mean. We're in a lion, and when we got a chihuahua, you know, oh, here comes a little uh, a mouse, and we run. Because the mouse can bite the chihuahua. No, you're in a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah is inside of you. We have the champion of all champions. But we have to think like that champion. And that's what God wants you to do.